The game is set on planet Arrakis, where the spice melange was con was constantly being fought over by the noble Atreides, the insidious Ordos, and the evil Harkonnen. Whoever controlled the spice controlled the Tex Maxium, and whoever controlled the Tex Maxium controlled the universe. <laughs> Well, yes. <laughs> no, the, the, we, we all know the power of text messages. Yes, we do. Shoot the core, cast. Alright, welcome to Shoot the Corecast, the official companion podcast to the RF Generation Shmup Club. This is a family-friendly shmup-themed podcast that won't overstep our bounds, so we decided not to pants or dragon. I'm Addicted, also known as Addicted to Shmups, and with me is... Metal Fro, also known as Game Boy Guru. And if you would like to connect with the podcast, you can do so in a multitude of ways. Follow us on Twitter at ShootCoreCast, or you can follow me directly at GameBoyGuru. You can find all the links to podcast feeds and different things on our Linktree page. That is linktr.ee slash shootthecorecast. Uh, join our Discord, which is linked from there, and uh, that way you can discuss the podcast, join us for a playthrough, talk about shmups in general, etc. If you would, please like rate, review, subscribe, etc. on your podcast platform of choice. And uh, also follow me on Twitch to get uh, notifications of new streams since I do stream the Shmup Club game of the month multiple times throughout every, each and every month. That is twitch.tv slash guru gameboy. We would also like to mention the RF Generation community playthrough on forums or the Discord channel is probably a better way to reach most people these days. I'd also like to mention the monthly playcast, also known as the concert cast, and the collector cast. You know, RF Generation really helps me keep track of games I bought, and I, I so bad. But the other day, I. I, I swear I was I had all this in and I was right, but then I opened a toad I had and I found eight copies of Wii Sports. I don't know what I was thinking, but had I actually looked at my collection, I would have known that I didn't need to buy eight copies of Wii Sports because I already had two copies. So, I would I would bet you didn't buy eight copies of Wii Sports. I don't they practically give you a copy when you walk into the door of a, any Goodwill? Oh yeah, you know that may be. It's it's been a while, and I also have to check my copies of Crimson Clover. I think every time I say that, Mark MSX gives me a copy. Huh, nice. Before we uh, really kick things off and and kind of get into all the meat and potatoes of the podcast here, I wanted to take a second and acknowledge the fact uh, acknowledge the fact that. This podcast is now five years old. It's old enough to drink. All right. 
it's well, it's a little uh, it's a little strange to think that we've been doing this for five years, but we have. Um, so uh, yay for us, I guess. <laughs> uh, I'd say to you, uh, it's just sorry. I'd say to you, just like the Grinch, for five years you've put up with me now. Oh yeah, well, I could say the same. Um, but anyway, thank you to everyone who's been following the podcast, uh, listening, commenting, uh, answering the questions of the month, playing along with us, and uh, you know, helping us to, I guess, continue to be motivated to do this because it's it's been a it's been a, a wild ride, and I'm glad it's not over yet. Me too. Uh, you know, I have to say thank you to everybody who listens. I don't know why you do, but I really appreciate it. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Now that we've said our thanks and salutations, let's move on to the question of the month. What game has all the elements of a traditional shooting game, but doesn't quite get to call itself a shmup? Our first response is from Goji Guy. For me, that would be most run-again games, especially Alien Soldier. High technical, focused on shooting and scoring, sometimes even auto-scrolling, but not a shmup. Yeah, Alien Soldier is a great one. Uh, every time I like read one of these, I think, oh, we should put that on, oh, we should put that on. This sounds great, but Alien Soldier would certainly be a fun one to do, maybe for the new year. Huh. Pony Trigon says, Enter the Gungeon has all the elements of a bullet hell, but it's a roguelike dungeon crawler. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And by extension, I would say the Binding of Isaac and uh, all of its kind of related content. You you would definitely um, do the Binding of Isaac. I know, I know that's one of your favorite games. Well, I don't know if I'd say one of my favorites, but certainly when I early in the in the Nintendo Switch days, um, when I was out pretty much buying everything that I could for it, I picked that up, and I think within a I don't know a couple of weeks of buying that game and and starting to play it, I put in something like thirty or thirty five hours. It's a lot. That's it's a good game though. I'm I'm wondering like. You said back in the early days, you're buying everything you could for it. I feel like, what is this, six six years later, we're still buying everything we can for the Switch? Yeah, but I mean, at that point, I was literally, because the physical releases hadn't really ramped up to the level they're at now. So every time I would go to the store and see a new physical game or two for the Switch, I would almost pick it up. That trend died very quickly because stuff started to come out uh, in large numbers. But yeah, certainly early on, I was buying up everything, and that was one that definitely stuck with me. Also, uh, Enter the Gungeon is is definitely a good game. I, I think it's like twenty bucks on Switch right now. So I had to, I was able to acquire a copy from the library and play through it for a little bit and enjoy the time I had. So that might be another one that we look at putting on as a uh, shmup adjacent. Sure. Varyag says, not the kind of stuff I usually play, but there is one game that came to mind from the Sega Saturn, Bulk Slash. It's this weird 3D shmup adjacent mecha game. It's really good. Oh, Rab Rabby Ribby too. But that's ostensibly on the purpose of a platformer Metrovania bullet hell mix. <clears throat> Bulk Slash is definitely a fun game, but if I remember correctly, that game really shot up in price, right? Isn't that like in the hundreds now? 
Uh, it might be. Um, something interesting, though, there's recently been an English translation of the game. And one of the cool things is that the translation not only adds English dub voice acting, which apparently is quite good for a fan project, but it also hacks the game a little bit to add support for the Saturn, the Saturn Twin Sticks. Oh, nice. Yeah. So if you're a fan of, of Virtual On, um, now you got one. Bulk Slash is definitely one to check out. I was going to say, now you can use it for two games on the Saturn. Exactly. <laughs> and Ra Rabby Ribby is also pretty good. That is um, Jumping Flash 3, if I remember correctly, Never Left Japan. Oh, I was thinking Rabby Ribby is. Um, Maybe I'm thinking it's wrong. Was a newer. Yeah, Rabi Ribby is a relatively new, well, new-ish within the last few years. Or is that the, um, uh, darn it, they're all running together in my head. Yeah, it's a newer what? It's it's a newer game that came out within the last few years. You run around a uh, Metroidvania-style game with the uh, rabbit ear girl or whatever, um, but it has bosses that have bullet hell patterns and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just had to do a quick search in the game. I think of is Robert Mondu. Oh, okay. And that's the one that never left Japan. Jumping Flash 3. All right. Drake Tungsten says, basically any 3D stuff, like, I don't know, Star Fox 64. But then it's 3D, so not traditional anyway. This is really a tricky question. I know there are some games that would fit perfectly, but I can't think of them. Maybe Super Amazing Wagon Adventure? Uh, Machinarium, or one of the games by that company, has a small shmup section you play to earn a hint. Yeah, I mean, Star Fox 64 is an interesting one. I know Ed considers Star Fox to be a shmup, and I'm pretty sure Mark MSX does as well, even though, yeah, it's a rail shooter, but it has a lot of the hallmarks of a shmup. Star Fox 64 is where you start to deviate because you're on... There are, what's the word I'm looking for? There are, are free roaming sections where you're not just auto-scrolling to a particular target. So that's where you start to maybe deviate from the formula enough. Um, but Super Amazing Wagon Adventure, as far as I'm concerned, is a shmup. We covered it in December, yeah. and I, you know, we wouldn't have if it wasn't at least shmuppy enough. But I understand why that might not be considered a full shmup because there are some twin stick, single screen, you know, Robotron 2084 style sections. But the bulk of the gameplay is auto scrolling um, left to right or right to left in some cases. Shoot them up. You know, when you said shmuppy enough, you reminded me of that ad that was for, uh, remember Tough, Tough Enough? For the Super Nintendo. Oh yeah, I was wondering that would be good to modify that to "Are you shmuppy enough?" <laughs> Are you shmup enough? Here's another sticker <laughs> you can put on on your PV PVM. There you go. All right. <laughs> Sleep Stardust says Smash TV is the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, Smash TV is. Or you could say stuff like Robotron or, or any of the stuff that sort of this twin stick type controls could be considered shmup adjacent. 
And that includes like what maximum carnage. Um, I'm am I thinking Geometry Wars had the control set? Or am I misremembering that? Uh, yeah, I think it. I mean, Geometry Wars would have been a twin stick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Smash TV is, is a twin stick, right? E- even on Super Nintendo, yeah. it wasn't. It was a dual controller. So, yeah, twin or uh, Robotron. There's a lot you could put in there. Those yep. those are very. A lot of fun. We haven't had a good twin stick shooter. Oh, shoot. Everyone's giving me ideas, darn it. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely looking. Yeah, Smash TV would be a fun one to cover. I buy that. Well, at least I buy it for a dollar. Ah, there you go. More money, more prizes. I love it. Uh, Your Dad 1984 says Quarth. And that one got me thinking because I've always thought of Korth as a shmup, but in in some ways it's not. So it's kind of an interesting uh, interesting thought experiment. Yeah, Korth is one of the games that to me is infamous for its commercial, which is so weird. This guy in the, look it up on YouTube. It's a weird commercial, but yeah, it's a puzzle. Uh, puzzles from up hybrid, right? And it definitely has. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's unique. I'm. A, it's a shmupzel game. Yeah, I was wondering. That that only came up on on the Famicom and the Game Boy, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so that may be a little hard if we decided to choose that one. Right. Bear78 says, Returnal felt very shmup to me. <laughs> and, and that's one of the things I was a little bit curious about. Is our first-person shooters considered shmups? <clears throat> or shmup, shmup-like, I, I should say. You've got your focus fire, which is aiming down sights. And you shoot from the hip, which is irregular fire. And then your bombs are your special weapons or your grenade or whatever have you. It, the only thing you're not doing is you're not auto-scrolling, so you can't call it technically a shmup, but it definitely has a lot of the elements of a shmup. Which is really <laughs> weird to think about. Yeah. I I almost equate uh, FPS as the first-person equivalent of a top-down twin-stick kind of shoot-em-up. Oh yeah, I can definitely see that. Uh, Real Lord Dalek said Marching Maze. Oh, and it's been a minute since I thought about that, so I had to look it up and refresh myself on the gameplay. And yeah, there are definite uh, schmuppy elements at work in that game. But I think, yeah, I would tend to agree. It's it's got a lot of the right elements. It's just that the way that everything is baked is different and um, doesn't quite fit the mold. The black sheep of the shmup family. (laughs) (laughs) Louis G says, Spy Hunter is on this weird continuum where every time someone tries to clone it, they end up with something more and more towards the shmup side of the axis and away from the 79 Monaco GP with guns. Spy Hunter? Medium shmupitude. Super Spy Hunter? More shmuppy. Highway Hunter? Even more shmuppy than Super was. Action Fighter literally turns into a shmup. 
Yeah. Uh, this will be sort of neat to do for like a comparison for like maybe a December. We could we could do a, cl a clone. Of, uh, other than that, uh, I have to say thank you because now the Peter Gunn theme is stuck in my head. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I I only somewhat recently acquired Super Spy Hunter thanks to our buddy Duke Togo. So, um, yeah, I would I would love to to cover that at some point. That that might be a fun one to maybe do a a uh, you know car combat shmup showdown or something like that, where we where we look at Spy Hunter and Super Spy Hunter action fighter, etc. And just sort of take a, a cursory look at all those games. You know, Duke recently sent me something too. He said, I saw you playing Gratis 3 Arcade, and I know you like Pain and Suffering. Have you tried the 3DO? So I ended up with the 3DO <laughs> from him, and I've, I've been trying to play some Road Rash and a couple of other games on here. It is certainly unique in its own right. Yeah. All right, where the oh sorry. Uh, MF Blur, uh, MF Blur said rail shooters, Star Fox, Sin and Punishment, Panzer Dragoon, etc. Yeah, the rail shooter, sort of interesting. In fact, Panzer Dragoon by itself, I, I've heard people call it a uh, light gun game without the guns. <laughs> Interesting idea. Yeah, I mean, you you technically could, right? You could have <laughs> hook up your gun con twos, or your, well, you don't need the gun con threes. You don't need to twirl it around to reload. But <laughs> you take the gun con twos, and you've got that button on the side for reloading, or or a pedal. <laughs> take the time crisis approach <laughs> for your focus shot, and you could just blast away at it. I mean, you really could turn it into an arcade game, but we'll talk more about that later. Uh, Kelsey Polnick says, Paperboy. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see that. Everything's out to kill you and all you're armed with is papers. <laughs> Smacking the people who don't subscribe, breaking their windows. Yeah. If uh, if memory serves, YouTuber A Skeleton actually thinks of Paperboy as a shmup in some ways. And so, yeah, there, there's definitely elements there that really fit the bill. Um, I don't think it goes full schmuck, but I I certainly think that it um, it's in the conversation for something that would be shmup adjacent. Caleb Parham says, yeah, Smash TV and Total Carnage. By extension, the Geometry Wars series. Another vote for the Twin Sticks. And that might be something fun to do, too, for sort of like a, a December to remember shmup adjacent event. Smash TV, Maximum <laughs> Carnage, and there's a third one that came out, isn't there? Not by, technically by Midway themselves, but and something that, oh, we're talking about, we'll talk, we talked about it earlier, technically, but uh, Xenocrisis, right? We could do all three. All right. Of course, if everyone at this point everyone can choose their favorite platform because Xenocrisis has come out on everything. Okay, more to that later. Nice. Yep. All right, Corkman seventy seven says Chilnov Atomic Runner. 
It's almost all the elements of a shmup, but your character is affected by gravity and you have to platform jump. Yeah, this is one of those ones that people keep referring to as a hidden gem. I, I haven't had a chance to try this one, but I've heard many a good thing about it. Yeah, I know uh, Shmup Junkie loves this game and did include it in his uh, full video covering all the shmups on the Genesis uh, because it's he felt like it was close enough to warrant inclusion. And I get that. Um, I've... I, I want to play the Genesis version at some point. Unfortunately, it's expensive these days, but I do remember uh, popping a quarter into a uh, into a Chelnov cabinet, arcade cabinet, years ago. And I was probably, I don't know, 15 at the time or what have you. And I was a little confused as to what it was I was supposed to do. Um, so I didn't get very far, but... Yeah, very interesting concept. <laughs> sort of like trying to play uh, Heavy Barrel or Carbon Warriors in the arcade and the rotary joysticks aren't working properly. <laughs> what the heck am yeah. I doing here? Yep. Uh, well, Duke Togo, uh, mm -hmm. Duke Togo jumped in and is going to help us fulfill our, our, our uh, one mention per episode for every gaming podcast ever rule. Uh, by saying Dark Souls bow only run. Well, as I said, pain and suffering. <laughs> <clears throat> that actually sounds like my jam, but uh, I think you like the Dark yeah. Souls series. There's a bunch of different Souls likes games. Uh, <clears throat> Dark the Dark Souls three isn't a bad place to start, or Dark Souls Remastered, or even the. Uh, Bloodborne, although Bloodborne's more like parry or, or action-paced. The game you might want to start with at this day and age is Elden Ring. Sure. Something to start, you know, so that we can start at the beginning, but uh, your choice. You, I th you've been playing Zelda for so long, you, you might uh, be able to take some of those skills on over. Maybe even do a bow-only run. There you go. Uh, Steven Eider says Mega Man. Yeah, I could see Mega Man being, or Rockman being, a shmup adjacent. In some ways, it could be considered a run and gun, or some some other effect. It definitely has those elements just baked in a different way. Yeah. the The one thing about the Mega Man series that I think keeps it from being a run and gun is not only the the larger emphasis on platforming, but also some of the precision that you have to do, which makes you have to slow down more so than you would in something like a Contra game or even Metal Slug, where the game encourages you to keep moving and keep pushing forward. Whereas within Mega Man, uh, the Mega Man series, you can you can take your time much more, and uh, even in some spots, go back and forth. To farm enemies for health pickups and things like that if you took a few too many hits and you want to recharge before you get to the boss. So, yeah, I can see that. I thought for a second there you are going to say the voice acting because that really slows things down. <laughs> I mean, I could probably do some of that too. <laughs> Mega Man, we have to get going to defeat Dr. Wiley. 
<laughs> yes, Dr. Why We. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, I, I graduated from the Game Sex School of Acting. There you go. Well, Ashley Day uh, also has another vote for Star Fox. Mari says vehicular combat games. I'm going to throw some stuff out and see what sticks. <laughs> yeah, vehicular combat games, you could probably go with Jackal. Jackal is definitely something that, that falls in that vein. Uh, some people I saw were talking about combat. Combat could definitely be in there. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of different stuff that could be you know, shmup, shmuppy, but not quite shmuppy enough. Sure. You could even you could even take that into the into the 3D realm with the Twisted Metal series and and similar kinds of games. Uh, Nickel Shark said, "I guess if I get really loose and creative with the definition, I could say maybe Audio Surf, especially with the new Audio Shmup game mode they added. In that game mode, you have to dodge all the blocks while your ship shoots." Yeah, this is not one I'm familiar with. Well, I, in the same vein of Audio Surf, we have. We talked a little bit about, at least in the early days, with the tube shooter, right? And for that, we they did. Uh, yep. Was it Mike? Was it My Chemical Romance? Who was who was doing the soundtrack for that? I can't remember. But what was the name of the game that we did that sort of? And there was uh, stuff. What was amplitude and frequency? Right, the two PS2 games done by Harmonix. Oh, you're talking about nitrous oxide. <laughs> Yes, and two all that we did on yep. PlayStation. Yeah, that was uh, um, the Crystal, Crystal Method. Method did okay, soundtrack. yep. So uh, there's a lot that that can be done musically with stuff on there, or, or even look at harmonics. Right, harmonics did amplitude and frequency for the PS2 before they went on to do Guitar Hero and Rock Band. Right. So th- there's a lot that you could definitely do with an audio shmup, and. Isn't uh, I swear there's more to this that came out right? Where because every time I think of audio, I think of Monster Rancher, but it's not quite right. I'm certain that there's some more audio-based shmups out there. Well, there's uh, Beat Hazard, the Beat Hazard series. Oh yes, playing with the um, uh, the lightsaber dancing. Oh well, no, I was thinking that's Beat Saber. Oh, Beat Saber. I was thinking the Beat Hazard games. they, I think they started as mobile titles, but they're on PC as well, where it will, you can have it read your music collection, and then it'll pick a random song and generate a level based on that song. And so based on the sort of ebb and flow of the song, it'll create enemy waves and boss battles and things. I used to play a ton of that on my, on my phone because I had all my music on my phone. And so I would have Beat Hazard just scan my library and create a um, a scenario for me to play against those tracks. Um, so yeah, something similar to that. But when you mentioned harmonics and Guitar Hero, and I was just thinking, you know, Guitar Hero 3 at the end, Through the Fire and the Flames, is sort of the rhythm game uh, equivalency of Bullet Hell. <laughs> Yeah, I was just thinking that maybe we uh, do a stream next April where it's just you doing Beat Hazard, Guitar Hero, and then maybe some Trombone Champ. Huh. April, April Fool's stream. 
Alright, so Orc Commander says Assault by Namco. I remember what Assault actually is here. It's... Yeah, it's a tank, tank game. <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar with the... Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, it's a twin stick. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, assault, you could definitely be considered shmup adjacent. <laughs> look at this. Yep. Yeah. I'm trying to think, what was the, um, and there's another one that featured Twin Controls by Namco called uh, Cyber Sled for the PS1. And that, oh, yep, yep. that's not quite like this, but yeah, you can see it as an evolution. Right. And so, what do you consider shmuppy, but not shmuppy enough? Yeah, I mean, kind of on this, along the same lines as what some of the responses that we got. You know, I I've always thought of some of the, some of the, what's the word I'm looking for? Some of the non-auto-scrolling tank-based games uh, as shmuppy, but I could see where people would think that they're more shmup adjacent. Stuff like Granada on Sega Genesis or Metal Stoker, I think it is on the PC Engine, uh, or something like. All Rail by Sega, which is a System 16 arcade game. You know, those would be, those would definitely be probably more squarely in the shmup adjacent camp, even though they pretty much contain most of the elements that you would want to look for in a, in a traditional shooting game, minus the auto scrolling bits. What about you? For me, I w would say Donkey Kong 3. It's sort of the forgotten Donkey Kong. It's, it definitely plays more like you a proto shmup, like with Galaga or Galaxian, or even Space Invader, than you'd see anything else. It's almost like they said, well, we got this radar scope, we've got the code for it, what are we going to do? Well, let's throw it in Donkey Kong. As you play as Stanley, the bug man who has to shoot bug spray... Uh, up Donkey Kong's nether regions in order to get him to move and get out of there. Oh. It's definitely unique. It might be fun to do if we're doing like shmup adjacent or some sort of December, like a December score competition or something like that. Sure. Yeah, I think a lot of these games share some of those, right? We've got first person shooters, we have light gun or rail rail shooters we have running guns there's a lot that is almost the shmup formula but isn't quite and there's a lot of great games that have come out oh even twin sticks so i'm hoping that we can expand upon these and, and maybe just do something fun for december Oh, like with the Smash TV and um, Xeno Crisis, or throwing a twin stick shooter. Something like this helps break the focus, the the huge amount of time investment. It helps bring in people who normally wouldn't uh, have time for the shmup of the month. Sure. Breaks into bite-sized shmuppiness. Yeah, that makes sense. 
All right, so let's talk about, uh, speaking of pain and suffering, let's talk about gun vein. <laughs> I heard you were experiencing some tr troubles with the stage four boss. Oh, uh, yes. Um, <clears throat> I've been, uh, I've been going back and forth, kind of working on the game in handheld mode uh, with the handheld difficulty that was specifically made for the Switch. And, you know, playing it on on uh, stick, I was able to get the um, the lowest or the lower the lowest difficulty the of the three the mild difficulty. I was able to get that clear with all three characters on mild playing on stick, but so far playing on handheld with with uh, you know the switching in, in a flip grip and <clears throat> um, and uh, using well not Joy-Con but a Joy-Con alternative that. I've been trying to trying to see about getting uh, a clear on the handheld game mode. And for some reason, I, I continue to be thwarted and I'm not sure what it is exactly, but I haven't managed to to quite clear it just yet. I'm hoping that I will soon. Nice. Hopefully you able to get that that clear you know, right after you get back from showing off your skills at Shmup Slam. Well, that would be nice. <laughs> if not, you could definitely ask. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who will probably give you some pointers. Probably, yeah. And in fact, I don't know if there's time in between things. I might uh, might have to pull that up and and uh, you know have somebody watch me play for a couple of minutes so that um, they can. Maybe give me some uh, some suggestions. <laughs> Have you had time to actually play this lately? I've played a little bit of, of Type B. I haven't had too much of a chance. I've been I've been playing the game of adulting more, which is not fun so I, I i'll get some more of an up, update on this as we do our next recording but so far i've just been practicing the stages over and over again with type b ah. all right let's move on to schmuppy news so bitmap bureau has getting ready to release xeno crisis on the super nintendo and I hear after this that they're moving on to the Nuon. <laughs> and followed by a port to the CDI. <laughs> I don't know about the Nuon or the CDI. But yeah, I mean, Super Nintendo seems like an obvious one because of the controller. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because of the fact that you can, with the buttons and the layout that they're set up, you can do your up, down, left, right, fire with the four face buttons and then maybe combine them to do your your diagonal fire, similar to what uh, Smash TV or Total Carnage would have done back in the day. 
Well, you know, I like to see a Jaguar port where we can finally get a use for those bottom buttons on there. Press three to fire oh. up. Oh my! And I can't wait till you know ten years from now, someone's got a collection that's entirely made out of ports of Xeno Crisis. Oh wow! Oh, you've seen people do some pretty crazy stuff. Like the guy who had a chair built out of Dragon Warrior cards. I could see someone just have. Was yep. This is my Xeno Crisis collection. I got every single release. We got the new one, the CDI. We have the Tiger R Zone release, and the, the, the oh Game dot com release, the GameCube, the Wii. We even have the uh, the N sixty four release. We've got the Switch release. Now you can play it with dual switches in tape mode. Huh. I'm sure this thing's going to get released. Why not? I mean, this is a good way to recoup costs. <clears throat> but it's interesting. I I think the probably the GameCube will work pretty well. I know the Switchboard is excellent. The Genesis is pretty good. The Dreamcast is not bad. I'm wondering how many more consoles they could actually actively port this to. Maybe. I mean... Maybe they'd say, hold my beer. <laughs> it surprised me. Yeah. I'd be surprised if they didn't continue porting it all over the place. Me too. Um, Tassogen Company has started a YouTube channel. And I think this might coincide with what uh, was supposed to be their their presence at uh, the Tokyo Game Show. And so this would be interesting to kind of see what develops from this um, if the rumors are true and they actually have a new game in development. I wonder if they're broadcasting from the Intergalactic Space Station. That is a good possibility. Everybody remember to play Truxton. <laughs> Interstellar Sentinel has been released on Steam. This is a game that I don't remember. I'll have to take a look at it. Do you know more about this? Uh, not too much, but um, it looks good uh, based on the video that I saw so far. Does this have the? Uh, um, does this have a soundtrack by the Beastie Boys, with Intergalactic? No, it does oh. not. But yeah, it um, does look pretty fun. It looks like it was originally a mobile game. Oh, that's that might have been. I know the developer was posting stuff on YouTube, um, you know, gameplay videos and sort of beta testing videos. Well, I'm looking at a quick screenshot here, and it's got the circles with the with the sticks in the bottom corners. So I wonder if, if that's there because it's part of the mobile game. It doesn't mean it's bad. There's been several games of this. But yeah, it definitely looks interesting. Sure. In some ways, the, the art style, or the ship reminds me a little bit of like the R9. Yeah, it's definitely got an interesting oh. art style. I'm worth a look. Yeah. Uh, pretty big news here. 
Radiant Silver Gun has been announced for a Steam release. Uh, there's no price or release date, uh, release date information yet, but you can wishlist it. Very nice. I like this. Radiant Silver Gun is finally coming to everything as it should. Indeed. Yeah, this is probably the um, same one. Wasn't this being done by um, the Revive Cave? Was that right? Well, yeah, I think it might be um, Livewire. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Livewire. Oh, sorry, not Revive. Yeah, Livewire and Livewire was doing... They're doing this in collaboration with Limited Run, right? They're putting the whole soundtrack on the cart for the Switch, so I wonder if we're going to get the the full packages ported over to the PC. That'd be nice if we could get... uh, if Livewire is doing this, this would be just the first of many titles. This would be nice to get Espaluda 2 there. Um, I think that uh, DFK is already there, right? DFK is on Steam. Right. But to get maybe a, an updated port of Mushi would be pretty good. Yeah. More shmups, please. Of course. Uh, Toplan Arcade Shoot'em Up Collection Volume 2 has been announced from Bitwave Games, slated for an August 24th release on both Steam and GOG. This includes Slap Fight, Ishuzami, or Flying Shark, Fire Shark, and Hellfire. <laughs> Definitely some good games on this. Hellfire, I wonder if they're going to include both versions. The Mega Drive, well, you get the Mega Drive Arcade and the Turbo uh, PC Engine CD version. Yeah, I don't know. M2 is including that in their release, um, but I don't know about what's going to be included in the Bitwave release. My my thought is it will probably just be the arcade versions, but I don't know. Didn't Hellfire also come out on Arcade Archives? No, it did not. Okay. It must, I must have gotten them confused with Mr. Port. Uh, Counter-Attack Uprising from Relative Games is coming to Nintendo Switch in uh, Q3 2023. Counter-Attack has been available on Steam and Xbox for some time. Uh, This is one that I have not played. I want to say that Counter-Attack has been in my wishlist for a while, but I just haven't haven't taken the plunge. Yeah, this is new to me as well. I wish I... (laughs) I to say then I haven't played it, but uh, I have to take a look. It looks pretty cool. It sort of it reminds me of the uh, another game that we need to cover, uh, Shield Maiden, right? Sure. It definitely has that type of style. Moving on to one I have played, Mooley's Dreamland from developer Wowo. Was it Wow Wow? From developer Wowo Cat and publisher OK Joy, released on Steam August 1st, and as a horizontal cute em up where you play as Mooley, the fox fighting off monsters in her dreams. I tried this and back when it was still early access, and I had a really good time with this. It reminded me a lot of Never Awake, but more with the cute aesthetic to it. There was a spot early on where she's in, in her bed dreaming and the cat jumps on the bed and all of a sudden the extra weight becomes sort of like this giant enemy. There are d- just sort of neat little ways to, to <clears throat> deal with the mind of a child 
in her imagination. For people who are looking for sort of like aesthetic, it reminded me a lot of uh, Neko Navy with maybe a, li- a little bit more anime. Huh. Yeah, it definitely um, definitely looks promising. Uh, the Ray's Arcade Chronology is now listed on Steam to wishlist, uh, but no release date or pricing info as of yet. Yeah, you know, with this one, it's, I think it's sort of a teaser saying, yeah, you wish you were playing this. <laughs> well, I I know that M2 is not, um, not big on doing the PC releases, but it's something that I think Taito wanted with the Darius collections that they've done. So my guess is they just, you know, it was part of their contract to do the same thing here. Hey, I'll take Steam ports. Absolutely. These these games definitely need to be out there more than they have been. Speaking of which, um, when I, I, this is something that I thought about when I was thinking of Panzer Dragoon. This this feels like this could have been uh, something that Panzer Dragoon could have been turned into. Right, if you were going to make a shmup out of Panzer Dragoon, you would pull a page out of um, Raystorm or Ray Crisis. Sure. Uh, from developer publisher Shuru comes Vacant Kingdom. A new action RPG with twin-stick bullet hell battles as experiment to try and combine the genres together. Oh, I and twins and others twin sister this. That's all, folks. <laughs> uh, I definitely do like twin-stick shooters, and this looks like fun. I'll have to give this a try. Famed developer Masahiro Sakurai has released a video on his YouTube channel titled Game Essence in Shooting Games, discussing design concepts in the genre. That's pretty cool. Yeah, is, does that have a translation? Um, No, but I, I, it's not a very long video, and I thought it was fairly easy to follow. And I, if I remember right, there are subtitles. Yeah, you know... It- it's a, it's a good thing that he did it, because if Zune had done it, it would just be him drinking beer. <laughs> that, is, that is his essence for his games. B- beer and lollies. Right. A translation patch has been released for Gokujo Parodius to translate it to Fantastic Parodius. Now all three Super Nintendo Parodius titles, or Super Famicom Parodius titles, are playable in English. You know, uh, <laughs> I just started thinking of a um, someone probably would do a, a translation as a joke. They would take all the sayings from, replace all all the talking from the fairy in uh, Ocarina of Time. It says, "Hey, hey, hey." Yeah, there was a, definitely a, good to be able to play uh, Talking or Fantastic Proteus. There was uh, Steel, um, uh, not Steel Empire, um, Operation Steel has a great spin on this as well. 
Oh, yes, yes. With toot toot chugga chugga. <laughs> right. Uh, Lockalee's Cup, the periodic shmup based competition from Dent 4F, is returning in October. Signups begin in September with more details to follow. Nice. It's been a little while since I've heard anything about a about a Lockalee's Cup, so cool to see that uh, that's still still happening. Angeline Trigger is a space harrier style sh- uh, shooter in development from Pixel with a 2024 release date. Currently playing for Nintendo Switch. I wonder how many yeah. different space harrier inspired games there are. I mean, even with Space Air, you have three games, right? Space Air 1, Space Air 2, and then you have the uh, the Fantasy Zone one. Space Fantasy Zone. And let's see. Well, the, yeah. Yeah, and then the Planet Harrier is arcade yep. game. Yep. <laughs> the, the, the one with the, with the nurse on there. That game, I don't think it ever came out anywhere, did it? That was exclusive to the arcade. I think so. And then what? Then you have the Famicom title, the one with the animals. I can't remember the name of. That was similar. Mm. Um, yeah, you, you, you de- my point is, you definitely don't see a lot of Space Harrier style games. So anyone we can get is definitely welcome. Well, it seems to be something that has is. We're seeing a little bit of a resurgence of here lately because you've got, you've got that that Yu Suzuki game, and um, this one, and there was one other I think recently that's a Dojin title. So, it, someone must be uh, feeling a bit of a Space Harrier Renaissance here lately. Uh, All Call is a shmup mini game from Nizikashi, available on itch.io. Uh, it can be played in the browser or downloaded to play on Windows and uh, takes inspiration from Fantasy Zone. Nice. And the last thing we had from Fantasy Zone was Blackbird, right? So it's good to see another game in that vein. Uh, the I looked up real quick and the title I was thinking of is Attack Animal Gakuin. For oh, the okay. Family. Yeah, that... that eh, uh, Play it on, Mister. <laughs> I don't think it's it's worth seeking out an actual copy of that. Sorry. And, uh, and in regards to a shmup mini game on itch.io, that sounds like fun. Play it on the browser. Yeah. Oh. All right. Red Titans from Team Black Hat Robot is out on Steam now. Uh, do you have more information on this? Um, not much. Uh, I know that. A couple of people in one of the other shmup discords uh, were saying that their first impressions weren't great, but um, it it very much looks like an old school, uh, an old school, you know, sixteen bit era arcade shooter. So I don't know, could be worth a look. Uh, from developer Orange Capsule and publisher Square Pillow Games comes Paper Planes Plus on Steam. Uh, there's no release date that has been set, but it uh, it has a very cartoony, creative, hand-drawn look. And this one sort of came onto my radar kind of by accident. 
I had uh, raided Lord Shmup on Twitch the other day, and after doing so, um, there was a little bit of discussion about it in chat, and uh, I guess, um, I guess the developer or the guy, there was someone from Square Pillow Games that was in chat uh, and was talking about it. So this is uh, definitely something that I did not have on my radar, but I do now. Yeah, it, it's got definitely has an art style again of uh, Neko Navy, right? It's, it's got that quirkiness, so I'll definitely have to keep an right. eye on this. Yeah, I, I added it to my wish list, so hopefully, um, hopefully I'll be able to uh, see more here as we go along. Yeah, your I wish I was playing these games now list. Magical Blaster is forthcoming from developer Dojin developer Reverse Snare, and a trial version is slated for release on August 13th. This is another witch-themed horizontal shooter. The same dev who did the vertical, stole, uh, vertical shooter, Stolen Explosive. A demo is available from the Reverse Snare itch.io page. <laughs> this seems to be another genre that seems to be exploding recently, is witch-based shooters. And we have Cotton and uh, what Trouble Witches. I think that there right. was something. Some I think there was a VR game for uh, Little Witch Academia, and then there's uh, Hazel and the Hex. There's definitely yep. a lot of. We could do our own uh, <laughs> Halloween all witch based shooters episode. Yeah, it, it there's. It, this seems to be a thing that is. Uh... That is coming back. I'm not sure what the what the impetus was for that, but why not? Uh, Mad Shark from Alumer has released on Arcade Archives as of August 8th. Um, Mad Shark, otherwise known as Raiden Gaiden, <laughs> as a lot of people on uh, Twitter were calling it. Um, I was reading something about this the other day where apparently one or more of the team who worked on the original Raiden may have defected to Illumer or worked with Illumer to make this game. And it is very Raiden. Hey, more Raiden. I can definitely get behind that. As long as it's not Raiden Trod. <laughs> In very exciting news, the release date of M2's port of Dodonpachi Daiojo has been announced at... As December 7th, Switch and PS4 standard copies will be available, as well as a limited edition package on both platforms. Pre-orders are already available on Amazon.jp. And count me in for this one. Yeah, this is uh, this is a must-buy. The winners of Some Guys Shmup Game Jam are called Gunner Parade 23 have been announced. Those are Stardust Sinner by Crow's Nest, Locked to Arcadia by Kolumos and Chon Chonijiden Iridescent Force by Kaluyan Iklapi Z. And all three games are available uh, from the Gunner Parade 2023 Game Jam page on itch.io. Retro Gaming Live has opened submissions for Shmup Timber. A live event scheduled for September, 20, September 22nd through the 24th with live gameplay. Very nice. I think the 
the rise of the festival, and I don't mean Festivus for people who are thinking that, but no, the rise of the the game festival is sort of an interesting thing that's been taking place. We have Shmup Slam that's going on. We used to have um, all all game what the all games done quickly. Uh, I'm sure I didn't say the name just right, but summer summer games done quickly. Oh sure, and and then we have, you know, it, it, it's good to see that a lot of these grassroots festivals are happening. It has the excitement shouldn't be limited to AAA and E3. It's something that we should should be able to have more in and see people experience, or or even. Um, uh, stuff like Magfest, where people are getting together, or or the Diva One Milwaukee um, Gaming Expo. I, I'm not sure what the name of the one is in or in Arizona, but I, I definitely know there's one there. And then you know, PAX. These ty- these type of schmuck focused grassroots stuff, and I, I hope they continue to be held and continue to grow. Now that we are, uh, are working our way out of the COVID era, right? Shooting Game Builder, which has been the foundation of many Japanese doujin uh, STG over the past decade plus, is finally coming to Steam on August eighteenth. Everything's coming to uh, Steam, and that's good. Yeah, this is a good development. Um, even though we have the Shmup Creator Tool from Bulo Studio and other stuff out there now, this has been such a such a big element of the Dojin community for so many years that it's nice that some of this will will be available to us in the West, and also because this might. Uh, this might also um, open up maybe more possibilities of some Dojin titles uh, coming over to the West as well. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. But um, th- I I like hearing about these kinds of developments. Yeah, hopefully it opens the doors or becomes the gateway for more Western developed schmups. Absolutely. Uh, Trigger Heart Excelia has been confirmed for a physical Switch release in Japan on December 14th from Cosmo Machia. No word on a Western version yet. We hope it comes soon and we can all spin our way to victory. <laughs> yes, yeah, spin it to win it. A new indie shooter, G-Scramble, is available on Steam. It has a distinct throwback visual look to it. I was, as I was watching the the trailer video for it on Steam, I was kind of getting uh, late 80s, early 90s arcade meets uh, DOS shoot-em-up sort of vibes. Yeah, it's almost like you get from a... Early night. It looks like you get from early nineties, you know, VGA style shmup. That was that was a Dojin, you know, Dojin based. I'm not quite certain what the the portraits are, but apparently it comes with lollies. I don't know. 
Oh. Well, I'm watching the Steam video, and I could see there's portraits of girls on the side. So, yeah, when I say girl, I don't mean it's like um, more like a probably character select. It's like outline or silhouette of the character select, not a um, plus eighteen title. Oh, not not <laughs> not a not safe for a podcast. <laughs> uh, oh. No, uh, one of the th- other things I was thinking about here is that we're talking about twin stick shooters, and this is just you and me talking here. And one of the twin stick shooters is Vampire Survivors. We'll probably have to cover oh, that at right. some point. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, the team developing Gunstream for the Game Gear is still hard at work on it, but in the meantime, it's putting out a small number of physical cartridges of the Caravan mode for fans who want it. All right, sign me up. I want some caravan mode is perfect because I think that's about how long the Game Gear's batteries are going to last. <laughs> yeah. Developer Zakichi is planning on updating KaiCon to work with Steam leaderboards so it can be re released commercially. Uh, we'll have an updated soundtrack as well, uh, but no word on the release date yet. Nice. Yeah, leaderboards would definitely be fun. Always like it when we we can uh, have leaderboards with the game, so that makes it easier for us to get the the scores for the month. Right. Oh, and uh, and the Toho news for the month: <laughs> the new Toho fan game Toho Juin, Unfinished Dream of All Living Ghost, is now now on Steam, courtesy of publisher Mediascape. I, you know, I would normally say this would be STG, but with Toho fan games, for all I know, it could be a, a racing slash Monopoly slash life sim. Uh, yeah, there's so much, uh, there's so much Toho stuff out there now, but yeah, um, there's still a lot of, of Toho fan shooting games that are being developed. Yeah, the, the amount of Toho media is just staggering by and this is just even the unofficial stuff right uh, polyfury is a new danmaku style shooter that combines a tempest or gyrus style of uh around the playfield design with bullet hell patterns and mechanics and when i looked at this it sort of visually reminded me a little bit of the the sort of Atari recharged series of games that they've been doing. And it has a little bit of that line art uh, throwback. What's the word I'm looking for? Not not retro wave, but, you know, that sort of neon kind of it's probably got vibe. That, it's got the, the vector style vibe. Not quite vector, but okay. maybe mildly inspired by that, I'll say. Fair enough. Red Art Games is teasing what appears to be a release of Shikigami no Shiro 2 for release. Alright, let's get our terrible voice acting in. Make the, I don't want that to be DLC. Put that on cart. And props to Bear78 for dropping this in the Discord because I had not heard this, but apparently it was a tweet that they put out. And if you look at it, you'll see that it's the the tweet or the the tweet itself shows 
Um, it's an orange, it's a two-tone orange image. So it's a light orange background and a darker orange foreground. But when you look at it, it's a silhouette, basically. And someone posted a response to the tweet with uh, the cover of the Shikigami no Shiro 2 Dreamcast cover. And you can see that's exactly the design that that they were going with. So I, even though we don't have the official release yet, I'm going to say based on that comparison, this is probably all but confirmed. Yeah, Red Art Heart has been doing some interesting stuff as a publisher. They definitely pull out niche titles, you know, even more so than like lim when limited run these days. When they say, I mean, they're more like a double A AA publisher at this point, right? Ever since they got Embracer Group. But if you're looking for st stuff that is outside the norm, Red Art Games is where you want to be looking. They did the uh, D-Lit and Wonder Labyrinth. The I'm trying to think of some of the the other stuff that that they've got their hand. But it's it's all been niche titles, right? So hats out to, out to them for continuing this up, and hopefully, hopefully I can pick up some more of this. I'm trying to think. There was like a card battling game that they did. The the only one that sticks on top of my head was the D-Lit, though. Well, they've done uh, a number of them over the past few years. Didn't they do Voidcore or is that someone else? Uh, yes. All right. <laughs> so let's move on to the games. Or sorry, let's move on to the game we played for July of 2023 and the people who played it with us. That game was Panzer Dragoon which came out on the Saturn, the PS2, uh, PC, the remake came out on the PS4, and good old games. Uh, there's so many different ways to play this. I would have to say probably the PC port will be one of the better ones, or maybe even the PS2 port, but you can't really go wrong with the original Saturn port. The people who played it with us are Duke Togo, Pony Trigon, Schlarp, Drake Tunston, Varieg, Super Goat, and Orc Commander. So let's go ahead and start talking about Panzer Dragoon. Panzer Dragoon was developed and released by Sega in 1995. For the Sega Center, it was launched in North. Well, it was the launch title in North America. Right, let me. Uh, uh. <laughs> so let's start by talking about Panzer Dragoon. Panzer Dragoon was developed and released by Sega. Jeez. Oh, All right. I'll just start from this line here. Panzer Dragoon was developed by T Team Andromeda and released by Sega in 1995 for the Sega Saturn console. It was a launch tile in North America. The series was created by Yukio Futsugagi, who led the development for the first three games under Team Andromeda, as well as Phantom Dust on the Xbox, and Panzer Dragoon's spiritual sequel, Crimson Dragon. Panzer Dragoon was released for Windows in December 1996. 
October 1996 also saw the release of a Panzer Dragoon OVA, or original volume anime, on VHS, which, for those of you who are curious, it deserves a place alongside the Star Wars Christmas special. <laughs> the Windows version was ported to the original Xbox and included an unlockable in the Smilebit developed sequel, Panzer Dragoon Orta, which was released in 2002. So, the window, yeah, the Windows port was added on there, but it also has sort of like a uh, a caravan mode, right? Where your health is constantly draining, you fill it up by destroying enemies. Panzer Dragoon was okay. also released on the PlayStation 2 in Japan under the Sega Ages 2500 series of budget titles in 2006. It adds an arranged mode that cleans up the 3D graphics. Well, somewhat, and includes additional options. Megapixel Studio developed from the ground up a remake of the original game, which was published in 2020 by Forever Entertainment and released on the PC, PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, as well as Amazon Luna and Google Stadia. The cover art for the original Japanese release and later PS2 version was done by noted French comic artiste Jean Mobius Guillaud. And I have to say his art is fantastic. He, he, it wasn't just the cover. They drew uh, enemy designs and other inspiration from his works. Right. The... North American release is okay at best, and the Jap uh, the European release is um, a little bit worse than the, the North American. Uh, I mean, it's it's sort of a, that's just early 3D games. At the time, they looked really cool, and some of them have what aged better than others. But sort of using the this is what you get look and. Um, on your front box art, like the black box was on the original Nintendo, just isn't as aesthetically pleasing as you'd see from the Japanese cover. But by quite a bit. True. Although I, I think it would be quite funny to see what would happen if someone decided to do a... And Miyamoto did this for Super Mario Brothers, but to see an artist's rendition of, let's just say, tennis on the black box or volleyball. Right. Uh, Yukio was only 23 when he pitched the idea for Panzer Dragoon to Sega, who were looking for more games to add to the Saturn launch library for variety. It wasn't just the the Saturn's launch library was having trouble. It was in deep trouble. You had Daytona, and you had Virtual Fighter, and people were looking forward to playing Virtual Fighter, and the port that was done was notoriously awful so bad that they had to give out a virtual fighter remix version to people who had bought the saturn but this wasn't until much later uh, i i don't know if you were uh, one of those people who bought the saturn at launch or if you picked it up much later but i remember people were at the time saying no no no, no. get virtual fighter 2 don't even bother with a virtual fighter. Yeah, I was way late, but I uh, I still don't own Virtual Fighter, but I do have Virtual Fighter 2. 
Uh, at this day and age, uh, it's. Uh, <laughs> I think I'd probably rather play the 32X. Oh my! It, it's yeah, it's not a good port. The game is set on planet Arrakis, where <laughs> the spice melange was con was constantly being fought over by the noble Atreides, the insidious Ordos, and the evil Harkonnen. Whoever controlled the spice controlled the Tex Maxium, and whoever controlled the Tex Maxium controlled the universe. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> no, the, the, we, we all know the power of Tex Maxium. Yes, we do. <laughs> but no, uh, the. <laughs> The reason why I bring this up, and for those of you who don't know, that was a uh, sort of the plot to Dune, Frank Herbert's uh, great sci-fi series, where this game takes a lot of inspiration from, especially Stage 2 with the sandworms. <clears throat> but the post-apocalyptic mixed with fantasy is something that Dune is definitely known for, and... Is cited by this game as being one of the major inspirations. So, the, sure. so this game is set in the far future, where humanity is constantly at war with bioengineered weapons it has created. When the Empire discovered an ancient tower in the lake near the capital, they found ancient weapons that were used to fend off the monsters. Soon, however, the power corrupted the Empire, and they took over the territory instead of simply freeing humanity from the enemy threat. The game centers around protagonist Kyle Fludge. No, it's Kyle Fluge, who gets separated from his hunting party and stumbles across a conflict between two dragons. When the rider of the blue dragon is mortally wounded, he communicates psychically with Kyle and asks Kyle to take the blue dragon and now not allow the black dragon to reach the tower. Kyle takes up the rider's weapon, mounts the dragon, and sets off to follow the black dragon. You know, a lot of this is explained a lot better in that paragraph than anything you'd ever get by watching that cutscene. Because you're trying to figure out <laughs> what is what these people are going in there, they're shooting stuff, and then this thing comes back, he goes into a cave, comes out, and then there's something in the background, some sort of tower, and it says Unit 1 ready, and then it says Unit 2 ready. <laughs> and then this guy comes down, and he's... Instead of like showing psychic powers, I think his his hand is like shaking, and all, all this is done through the, like a postage stamp video. Which you know, I get it. Hey, I I play those games at the time. I get it, but it, it's it's just so bizarre. I, I I get part of the reason why they're doing it, but it's something that could have just been told better, maybe in um, so, like they they do with. Uh, um, the the GameCube Wind Waker I, Wind Waker does a really great way of setting up the story. It it, it could have been done a little bit better, but I do like the. <laughs> I guess we'll have to call it Dragonese, right? The, the mixture of languages that it's like Russian, Russian, French, German, and Greek. <laughs> Words are all used when they speak. Yeah, I think it's a supposed to be kind of its own language but yeah it's probably derivative of several things yeah uh, it doesn't have anything upon the uh the huge impact upon the game and and the lore definitely goes places and can be uh, 
considered Dark Souls-ish, trying to figure out what the heck everything is, because all the world building is done, <laughs> for the most part, outside of cutscenes. It never explicitly tells you <laughs> sort of what's going on. R regardless, it's still quite a, it's still an interesting story. Uh, the uh, th basically, I, I think you can say it's Skynet. Uh, human <laughs> well, the ancient humans created this. Were constantly at war. They ruined the this planet, and when they ruined this planet. The, he created the sentient AI, and the sentient AI uses these towers to <clears throat> build these bioengineered mutants that sort of keep, keep humanity in check and keep them from becoming or starting more wars. Or it, it's a it's a sort of like a nuclear check, right? A nuclear guarantee to prevent mutual destruction in order to keep humanity from. And getting too full of themselves, this AI sort of keeps track and builds these bioengineered organisms. But the dragon in this is a mutation of a bioengineered organism that has melded with. The, it talks about this in why, right? The second one where the dragon it, it is a mutation that's attached itself to like a sheep or so. Sheep be a bad example, but it, it, it mutates the uh, <clears throat> the animals there and sort of becomes self. And the dragon continues to morph. And I think they sort of imply that the same dragon is used throughout the entire series, right? And it starts with two, goes on to the first one, I think, and it goes on to Azel, and then goes on to. Uh, Azel or RPG and then goes on to uh, Saga if I remember correctly or not Saga, the well, uh, Xbox game Orta Orta, thank you I forgot to mention it in the notes but also maybe probably it's also the one that's in uh, Panzer Dragoon Mini on the Game Gear which is sort of a Fantasy Zone style take on the on the uh, Panzer Dragoon idea. I think Kyle, even though they don't explicitly say it, ends up in the... It was either RPG or Orta. Oh, interesting. Where they mention it, there's a guy who used to be a hunter, but now went to the Imperial Academy and is like teaching or something like that. Huh. Well, and... Uh... I saw something that mentioned that I don't remember if it was on uh, was on one of the sources I was looking at that said that apparently the the name of the protagonist who's flying on the dragon is only mentioned in the Japanese version. It's not mentioned in the in the US version at least, which is kind of interesting. Right. So, anyway, let's uh, let's I, dive oh, into the game. I, and I don't think the dragon name is really ever mentioned, except for in the guidebook or some stuff where the dragon's name is Blar, which sounds like sort of uh, <laughs> um, 
sort of a very weird, uh, almost sort of like a, a bad Dracula impression, right? Blar, or maybe a, a, <laughs> a bad monster impression, but it's spelled B L A U R. Oh, weird. Let's move on to talking about the gameplay here. So as we have kind of been alluding to, uh, Panzer Dragoon is what we, we consider shmup adjacent, which is why we've covered it here. Uh, but it is a, a rail shooter with a 360 degree view. And by that, I mean you can view the area in the game in 90 degree increments and you use your shoulder buttons to switch your view. And so you, your default view is right in front of you. And then you can you can use the shoulder buttons to turn either left or right to then view what's to the left of you, what's to the right of you, or even what is behind you. And of course, this is woven into the gameplay and is a necessary uh, feature to use so that you can... Um, so that you can uh, take on various enemies and threats as they appear throughout the stage. On, on the Saturn pad, buttons A, B, and C are all used to fire. And so each button can be used to fire your regular shot, or if you hold the button down, your targeting reticle will spin, and then you'll that will put you into targeting mode. And when you you move your targeting reticle then over an enemy, you'll see a little uh, circle thing appear around it, noting that you've targeted that, and then when you let go of the fire button, then it will shoot out a homing laser. And then, on, and then again, on the Saturn pad, the X, Y, and Z buttons are to change the view. And so the X button is for the standard view, the Y button selects what's called the dynamic view, which kind of zooms in closer to the dragon. And then the Z button is the long range view, which is more zoomed out and makes the dragon and the rider smaller and kind of gives you a larger view of the of the play field. Now I'm curious as to what your preference is on the view. Because I generally went with the long range view, just so I felt like I there was your your dragon was smaller and was obstructing less of the view. Uh I stuck with the default view, the standard view, and that was the view I used for the game. I played it a heck of a lot more on the remake than I did on the original Saturn version. Is the Saturn version is the one that I played so much of when I was when it well when it originally came out or, or as you know everyone else likes to call it back in the day so <laughs> <laughs> at release I, I played a lot more of the Saturn version and I, I, I say after playing the Saturn version and playing the <laughs> the remake I, I, I found I quickly just switched over the remake so I, I, yeah, I didn't spend a lot of time. <laughs> oh, sure. Interestingly enough, the remake ditches the the three views, probably because it is already 
it's in widescreen, so it's already going to be uh, zoomed out quite a bit. But I think they they sort of made the view in the widescreen version a nice uh, compromise, I guess, so that they wouldn't have to necessarily uh, go through and give you the different view options. Uh, but I definitely found myself favoring the um, the long range view so that the dragon and the rider on screen was smaller and did not obstruct as much of what you could see off in the distance. Uh, so that's that's what I tended to use the most. Makes sense. Uh, <clears throat> now the game is split into six uh, episodes, as it calls it, or stages. And then there's a, a seventh final episode that is just the kind of final confrontation with the uh, the last boss. And so episode one uh, sees you flying over what looks like a kind of the flooded remains of a once great city with large columns and ornate buildings in ruin. Various monsters attack through the level, some of which we see again in later stages and some of which are unique to the area. Um, this uh, The boss here is the Naraka-class Imperial Battleship, which then shows up in kind of a smaller form as a regular enemy in later stages. One of the one of the common tropes that we see in in video games. Yeah, this boss having to destroy the different parts on it, and then especially in in the remake, it's a lot clearer to see the different parts and see the damage as you're destroying it and having to shoot down the shots from the cannon. It really does a good job of making you feel like you are in an epic fight. It does. And one of the interesting things here is that um, this is one of the things that I think makes the game a bit more cinematic is that there you can't end the boss fight early by hammering the boss with with fire and with homing shots and stuff. There are certain phases and things that it has to go through basically and so there are a couple of spots where you can only damage it to a point until you're ready to move on and then eventually you can start damaging it again so it's kind of a kind of an interesting deal where some of what is in the boss fight is very prescriptive in that sense with uh, episode two is set in the desert with large sandworms jumping in and out of the sand You've got, uh, then they're shooting these green globules at you. I'm not sure what else to call them. You also enter a cave and have to fend off a number of enemies that crawl along the sandy bottom. And uh, some of those enemies will actually jump up at you. Uh, there's one spot where you come to a stop and you have to use the shoulder buttons to kind of turn. 360 degrees around as enemies come up out of the sand. So, like I said, some of which will jump right up at you. And then once you emerge from the cave again, you confront the sandworms again. And the boss at the end of the stage here is your first encounter with uh, the black dragon or 
uh, what's known as the prototype dragon in the remake. Yeah, the sandworms are definitely the part, of, and, and as well as the terrain are definitely pulled straight out of Dune, which is a heavily influenced on it. There are several different video games or uh, popular media that were using <coughs> sandworms and desert as their locales. Um, Tremors is definitely yep. another one. <laughs> and then uh, a smaller one, Beetlejuice was another oh, one. Sure. Yep. It, it just it, it see it just seeps into popular culture, and it, it's a cool thing to do. The Black Dragon when you're fighting on stage two, I, I can't tell if it's controlling the weather when there's those tornadoes that are sort of around it, or if that's just you know typical desert. These it's a sandstorm type thing. But it's definitely it has this unique atmosphere, and kudos to Team Andromeda for having a very unique visual style. When you go through the cave, it doesn't feel like oh look, we got these gray textures everywhere. It feel the environments themselves have a very lived-in or organic look, which is pretty hard to do when you're dealing with uh, triangles and <laughs> circles and a lot of the early 3D games. Right. Uh, episode three uh, is a rocky, barren wasteland that appears to be an empire stronghold of some kind, with a lot of cannon placements and mechanical structures and enemies to deal with. And the boss is the prototype Imperial assault ship. What's happening with it? It doesn't really ever spell it out, but what's happening in episode three is the new types. Basically, the bioengineered that are being created. The the Empire, at the very beginning, goes to investigate this tower, which is what Kyle sees fly over him as he's hunting. But by the, by the time we get to Episode 3, the Empire and the new types are basically the, the things that are coming out of the tower. These so They look like crabs in, in the beginning intro, right? The big crabs that always have those white shells. Those are, are the bioengineered, and they are fighting against the Empire. They're, and as you're flying through this, as a battle is taking place. So as the new types are fighting the Empire for supremacy, you've got all the different cannon placements and mechanical structure. And then, as you mentioned, with the Imperial Assault Ship, it's sort of this... Uh, Almost looks like a propeller, right? <laughs> well, you're having to go up and down in order to avoid the fire or the different blades with it shoot off and it goes off. And I know there's a joke that you like to make. Say, you know, this is even my final form. It really feels like a lot of these bosses have that saying in this game where I think it changes at least three times. Right. Once you defeat the top on there. Then you got to... The last part of it, it tries to get you from behind, and you've got to shoot it and destroy the last bit of its health from behind. It, it, it definitely does a, a lot of world building in Episode 3 to, to switch from the organic into more of a civilization, which you'll get to when you get to Episode 6, when we get to the Imperial Capital, but it... it, it it does it great to make you feel like you're engaged in 
something larger than you. Uh, similar to the way that Star Wars sort of, right? We got these little ships that Luke Skywalker is flying, a little X-Wing, but you have these huge capital ships around and everything else. It, it makes you feel like a, I'm part of a lived-in larger universe. One of the other things that I forgot to bring up earlier, Dune isn't the only part where it takes inspiration from. It seems Nausicaa Valley, the wind was also a pretty heavy influence for this. And you could see this too with a lot of the designs for the architecture and the way that this post-apocalyptic environment or world is created. Yeah. And uh, this is this boss fight, a couple interesting things here. This is kind of the first spot in the game, I think, that I struggled with. Um, in part because of the, the blades, where you sort of have to go up and down between them. But on the Saturn version, in particular, it's a little bit hard to kind of see where the blades are at. Um, you know, visually, it, it, the cues aren't quite as good, just because of the of the nature of 3D visuals at that time. Uh, and so that was a little bit of an adjustment that I had to make there. But the other interesting thing is when you're fighting this boss and you're you're targeting it with your with your homing shot uh there are there are some spots in different places on the boss that you can target and depending on which part you destroy first the top portion with the blades or the propeller kind of a thing or the bottom portion changes what the very last spot uh very last section of that boss fight it looks like so that was kind of an interesting uh and a nice touch i guess that you uh that you could see the boss fight play out slightly differently at the end um because of that uh that one little change pretty neat yeah um episode four takes place inside a large enemy stronghold with long corridors and winding paths most of the threats here are either enemy ships or biomechanical monsters. Uh, there are a couple of environmental hazards as well. Uh, there's one spot uh, toward the end of the level where these bay doors that open up, you'll have one that only opens up a little bit on on the right-hand side, and so you kind of kind of sneak through that, and then the, the next one opens up a little bit on the left side, and you got to switch over and move so you don't ram into the door and then the last one opens up kind of in the middle but a small section of it so you kind of have to position yourself properly so that you uh you don't run into those see this and then the this is the escape sequence <clears throat> when you're trying as the giant battles taking on you defeat your enemy and you're heading, you're trying to escape, and you've got all these different tunnels. This is an area where the aesthetics of the game really shine through. Where it, it just, uh, you could have plastered a whole bunch of like computer esque like with lights and stuff, you know, and turn it into what you see in a modern data center. But they didn't. They went with a almost tribal or ritualistic look on here which definitely makes it unique with the bones it looks very similar to the way that the the dragon looks right and everything 
in this quality it's with you trying to skate back up to the surface and you're fighting the the flying robotic creature i forget the exact name but you're fighting this new type that is is tracking you down and trying to kill you right yeah it's called guardian and uh it's a that's a pretty cool boss fight i think yeah i definitely agree although i think that uh if you could just call things guardian i could probably name it that right I, I, I like this thing that looks like a cat. I shall name it Cat. <laughs> this thing that looks like a dog, I shall name it Dog. Right. Uh, episode 5 is over a large forest area with a lot of enemy battleships and fighters attacking you. And the boss is the Flying Imperial Stronghold. Yeah, Stage, er, ep- stage 5 or Episode 5 in particular it's pretty neat because you come out of the tunnel and you're coming into the, this huge tree area with day you can finally see daylight again and there's a lot of world building subtle world building that's done here as you're fighting off all of these ships that are smaller versions of the boss from stage one you see little birds flying in the distance they do a little trickery with suns in the, in the treetops too it gives a a great way to make it feel like it's alive. Yeah, and uh, there's a little bit of a a tease, I guess you could say, because there's a, there's one point toward the end of the stage where it feels like you're entering a boss fight because it's a large ship that you have to take out, but that's not actually the boss fight, um, and so that. That is a little bit of a fake out, uh, which was kind of neat, I think. And then episode six has you flying over a watery area that looks like uh, either a city that's been converted to a military base, or maybe it's just a very large military base. Uh, the enemies here are very aggressive, and they there are a lot of them to deal with on all sides. And the whole length of the stage you are pursuing that prototype dragon and it will attack you at different times. So of course you've got to pay attention to avoid its attacks while also fighting off other enemies as you're going along and avoiding their attacks. Um, But there is no boss battle in this stage. Yeah. Episode six is something that, unless you really had like the Japanese copy you wouldn't know what the heck it it is but you it has a map and if you have the instruction book and you're going through starting off in this little cavern then goes over a lake and then it goes up up uh, and around and then you stage six is the imperial capital where you're flying over uh, this huge port city destroying enemies and then chasing the in some cases it's called prototype some cases it's called black or evil dragon in order to stop it from reaching the tower exactly which of course you fail because then we have final episode aka stage 7 where you where the, the dragon reaches the tower and, uh, you know, despite all your efforts, and then it transforms from its smaller size, which is relative to your dragon, uh, into this much larger uh, monster of a dragon. And it has multiple attack types, 
Uh, it'll shoot various projectiles at you. It has drones that will shoot lasers at you. Um, partway through its attack sequence, it can charge this powerful barrage of lasers that it will fire out at you. It, it, the drones can rush you, and then it also does this uh, attack sequence where it kind of turns around through the screen or a, a different kind of makes this circle pattern around the screen. And in doing so, it can run into you or it can sort of whip its tail at you. Um, and then it will also, it can also shoot out a variant of the sort of laser wave uh, thing that it shot out at you during this the stage two or episode two fight. Yeah, the dragon self, it really reminds me, or at least the morph dragon or evolved dragon, it really reminds me of the dragon from Space Harrier. With the way oh, that sure. it's, it's patterned, the way it moves around, it definitely uh, fires a heck of a lot of you at, at you all at once. So you got to really be, be quick on the draw and quickly shoot down those projectiles. I, the only other thing that sort of draw me as a little bit funny was when it opened up the tower itself. It's got this orb in the middle, and it, and it, it looks very similar to the uh, Tower of Sauron from Lord of the Rings. Huh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, once you defeat the 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 and the prototype or, or evil evolved dragon, then the tower shuts down, and well, the tower gets close to shutting down, and Kyle is left behind. Right, he he gets formed into a bubble as the dragon goes ahead, and then he wakes up on the seashore where you see dragon tracks. Which sort of signifies, yes, the dragon's alive, and Kyle just goes, well, that's done, I'm, I might as well go do something else now. <laughs> I mean, what do you do after that? You wake up and see, oh, well, that was fun, what do I do now? Right. I mean, what, uh, what are you going to, was he just go home and go, how was your day, son? Well, I started <laughs> out by, look, by hunting these things, I almost died, I formed a... Uh, to, well, he, he doesn't even have a village to go back to. So what do you, you just go to a bar? Man, you wouldn't believe the day I had. <laughs> uh, oh, what do you like do? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why no one no one sees him again. He, he drinks away his sorrows. <laughs> it's possible. All right. And so let's talk a little bit about the graphics. Uh, you know, I would have to say, despite the crudeness of some of the early 3D games, during the fifth generation console era, Panzer Dragoon still looks relatively good, considering it's a launch title. And yeah, for the most part, most of the stuff stands out. There's a couple areas where, especially the plant enemies on the water in the first stage looked a little blocky and were hard to figure out what the heck's going on. You mentioned the propeller boss on stage three, uh, having trouble discerning whether it was up or down or where, where you should avoid. There's a little quirks, but it's not bad enough where your eyes instantly bleed when you look at it. Yeah, it's um, it definitely... I still feel like it looks good for a Saturn game... With early 3D, as you said, a launch title, you know, it, it still has a a pretty solid 
uh, visual, I don't know, presentation. Of course, all of this taking into account the time that it released. Yeah. <clears throat> we talked a little bit about some of the enemies that made things hard to see or hard to determine. But some of the enemies' projectiles can be a little bit hard to see as well. And that's just because of the nature of the game with a low polygon count. Right. We talked about this earlier, but the aesthetics are very well done. The areas are varied enough not to be repetitive. And each has their own visual interest or style, right? Nothing ever felt copied and pasted. Right, yeah. The remake clarifies some things and changes some areas around a bit visually so they stand out even more, especially in the forest area. Yeah, the forest areas stand out of the original and I would definitely say of the remake as well. Yeah, the forest area in the remake is is gorgeous and they really embellished quite a bit in terms of what they changed, what they added to the forest area to make it... Um, much more visually interesting than than what the original game could offer. And the remake also has a lot of flashing, so those of you who are sensitive to flashing lights may want to avoid it. Yeah, that was one of the things I noticed, and somebody mentioned it on my stream, uh, particularly because of how I was playing it. But... Um, when you shoot your regular weapon, you there's a lot of flashing that happens at that time. So if you're shooting it rapidly, then yeah, you're going to see a lot of flashing on screen. It's not the whole screen, but it's enough to where it's pretty noticeable. Um, any other, I guess, any other thoughts on the graphics? No, I just want to highlight how impressive it is with the the limited materials that they had to work with and also being a launch title, how everything feels unique and does a really good job in world book, even if they don't sp explicitly state it, that you can sort of get the feel like the birds that were flying there, the sort of bone or ancient feeling with going through the tunnel or the big fortress fight there. Everything tells a story with, without being explicitly told and you know and some might say to this game's detriment it, it doesn't really explicitly tell you a lot but visually it, it does a great job of saying stuff with, without using words yeah yeah that visual storytelling is definitely uh, a good element here so let's move on to the sound the soundtrack was composed by Yoshitaka Azuma, and it received a standalone CD release in Japan, uh, even though the, the game disc itself had Redbook audio. And uh, it, the soundtrack also got the vinyl treatment in 2016 by Data Discs in a 2LP format, which I own. Uh, part of the soundtrack is lush orchestral music, and then part of it is a bit more electronic and upbeat, uh, though I would say often understated. But that's, that's another area where it mirrors Dune. If you watch the original Dune movie, it starts out orchestral and then switches on to more electronic, but they keep the tribal 
feel with the drums and the right. drum sound they use. That that's a copy of Dune, which were as you can probably tell in fact that it came out on so many times as being used as a reference. It does a very good job. The soundtrack is done so well, in fact, I would say that it could be considered the main character. <laughs> Forget the dragon freaking <laughs> Kyle. You know, the soundtrack is where it's at. Yeah. Uh, the remake includes an arranged soundtrack that leans more heavily on the orchestral approach, uh, but it does change some of the tracks so that they, they sound a lot different than their original versions. Um, in particular, the the track for episode one, known as Flight, you have to listen closely, or at least I felt like I had to listen closely because it was ne- not where nearly as recognizable as the original version. Yeah, I, I played with the original version. It's the original version and nothing for me on this one. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like the solid, the sound design overall is solid, uh, though... Uh, the main shot sound can get overwhelming in the mix if you're using rapid fire. And uh, the the dragon screams or or voice, I'll say, in the game can be a bit screechy. <laughs> it can be a bit screechy, but it's well done. I mean, you, you feel like the dragon is in pain when it gets shot, right? The, the sound effects aren't... aren't they're not a hundred percent balanced, but it, it it does a really good job of making you feel like you are inside this world. All right, the sound of the gun and the way the shots, especially the lock-on shot, is very well done. The dragon itself can be screechy, but it it, it sounds like a dragon, right? You don't go, oh, that, that's just a muffled lion roar. Yeah, that's fine. It, it, you, right. You, you definitely adds to the game in it instead of just sort of being there along for the ride. Yeah. I said this on stream and I'll go ahead and, and say it here. One of the reasons this soundtrack is one that I wanted when the vinyl release was, was put out, even though I have the Saturn game, you know, and of course I, like I said, the, the soundtrack is on the disc, but, um, flight, the stage one music. Now, of course the, the intro, uh, and title screen music, the intro cin- cinematic music, that's all good. But when I bought my Saturn um, early on, you know, I played a few things here and there, but um, I actually found when I was looking at the at the game on stream, you know, I pulled it out and showed it. Uh, and apparently the receipt from when I bought it was still in the case. So I've had this game 20 years because I bought it in 2003. And when I booted up the game and played and um, and got into stage one and heard this orchestral piece flight in the first level, that is a top 10, if not top five moment for me in terms of Saturn gaming of just the realization of, oh, well, this is different. Um, because up to that point, I hadn't really played many games that incorporated any kind of orchestral soundtrack, mostly because I, I wasn't a Super Nintendo gamer. Uh, I had the Genesis and 
as you probably know, the Sega Genesis sound chip is not uh, does not lend itself toward orchestral soundtracks the way that perhaps the Super Nintendo would. And so you got some of that with the Final Fantasy games on Super Nintendo and so forth. But yeah, the uh, this was one of those moments where I was I was just wowed by the the music in this first area. And that really pulled me in. Um, in addition to the, the, the overall atmosphere, that, that really hooked me. Yeah, the, the soundtrack may be even more famous than the game itself. It's possible, yeah. Alright, let's move on to scoring. There's not a traditional score in the game. Instead, you focus on a percentage of enemies shot down during each episode. And you receive a ranking at the end of the episode and the end of the game based upon your overall percentage. At the end of the stage or episode, you get credits that way or continue credits. And at the end of the game, if you play on hard mode and get a... Maybe it's just hard mode and complete it. But I, the, the one I saw yet had got a pretty good percentage as well. You unlock the uh, caravan mode. Right where your health constantly goes down, and you have to oh, destroy wow. enemies. Yep, but that's playing on hard mode. Uh. So let's move on to impressions of the game. Uh, Pony Trigon says, "Been meaning to find a good excuse to play this. How's the Amy on the Saturn version? My immediate thought was we play like Star Fox, but nope." I noticed there was a classic and modern style of aiming. Classic feels similar to Star Fox. Modern feels uh, weird. Not used to rapid firing on trigger buttons. <clears throat> yeah, the the classic feels pretty similar. Felt right. <laughs> and then I tried the modern, and I was uh, it's that just sort of grew on me. Even though it felt a little weird at first, and eventually I just went with the the modern display. But I, I can see how that feels definitely. Uh, uh, really weird like using a uh, a right-handed uh, tool in the left hand it, it something just doesn't feel right huh interesting uh, Duke Togo joined in and said my Saturn is ready and then later uh, showed a picture of playing on his PVM jealous and uh, said made it to the episode 4 boss I really don't remember much of this game from back when, but it really holds up on the Saturn and looks good for its age. Uh, stage four, but okay, that was the Guardian. Yep, that's still a pretty good run. Yeah. Uh, Schlarp says I played the remake on the Switch, but we'll try this on Saturn. The internet says the aim was not quite right in the remake. Curious if I spot a difference. I need to try a stick in both versions. For whatever reason, I played it with controller. I just played until episode 2 on Saturn with an arcade stick. Playing on was the stick is fun, but doesn't feel better or worse to me. Cool game with interesting music and a nice setting. But I played the remaster not long ago, so I'll stop here. I ended up extending my R-Type Final 1 and 2 playthrough, though. I gotta unlock them all. <sighs> Indeed. Supergoat says, first time playing, finished episode 1. Ah, so close. And uh, had a screenshot showing a 99% shot down ratio on the remake. 
Uh, first run through was a 4cc. Need to continue once on episodes 4. Uh, needed to continue once on episodes 4, 5, and 6. The difficulty really cranks up and the importance of dodging becomes apparent. There's also a little bit of memo that's necessary. Not a ton, but it helps to, uh, but it helps to not be completely blind to what's coming. I think a 1cc will be pretty tough. There were certain shots that felt impossible to dodge because they come out pretty much instantly when enemies spawn, but there's a lot of opportunity to take less damage than I did. I'm not into rail shooters, but this one is pretty fun and it gave a good sense of whether something was going to hit you and thus how to feel confident in a dodge. Also, it took a while to understand that lock-on is supposed to be the main offensive weapon and aim shot is really just for bullet canceling. Drake Tunston says, I played some to test the Saturn Core and Mister, but I only played through the first episode. I worked, but it did lock up a couple times when I tried to start the game. Yeah, I haven't messed with the Saturn Core and Mister, but only because I'm a crazy man who ended up buying five, I think I owned five, maybe six Saturns. I, I don't know. I, I went a little wow. nuts, so. <laughs> Coincidentally, I think I own that many copies of the game for some reason. Oh my. Don't know how it happened, but I, it's just sort of, just like my Wii Sports, apparently. I had to keep on buying Japanese copies of uh, Panzer Dragoon. I do have the U.S. version, but I think I have like three or four copies of the Japanese copy, of the Japanese version. <laughs> so I'm, I get the feeling that uh, at some point, my my son, my oldest, is going to go through the... my some of the stuff going, why the heck do you have eight copies of Wii Sports? <laughs> well, one for one for each day of the week, and uh, one just because, I guess. There you go. Although, I think I think that my uh, the amount of Wii consoles I own is probably outpaced the Saturn stuff. Yeah. I, I think I've got seven or eight Wiis at this point. I don't... <laughs> Even I don't know why at this point. Oh my! And then, then I've, but I, uh, what four Sega CDs? I feel like I'm doing a Bad Days of Christmas uh, song here with three, huh. <laughs> um, uh, what th three Super Famicoms, six or seven PlayStation threes, five PlayStation four. <laughs> Uh, three Xbox Ones, and it just keeps on going. I don't know. <laughs> uh, this is how I live up to my username. There you go. Uh, An Orc Commander said, uh, cleared the remake since it was the easiest uh, version to get set up. Hardest parts for me were the Stage 4 boss and most of Stage 6, since it's way too easy to lose a credit from taking too much damage with the ambushes at the beginning. Yes. Alright, so now that everyone has given their thoughts, what are your thoughts on Pens of Dragon? I like this game. Um, you know, it's one that I liked pretty much right away when I first bought it, and um, but it's one that I I don't know, I guess I had difficulty with it at some level because I I could always kind of credit feed my way to probably stage four or so, but I don't know that I ever reached episode six ever. Um, so to me, 
credit feeding through the game and being able to beat it after a few attempts, just crit, just credit feeding felt like an accomplishment. And then I reached the point where I was able to, to do it in two credits uh, by getting a little bit better with stage six and then usually dying on the fight with the dragon and having to continue and redo that fight again because I would be so low on health at the end of stage six because one of the things that we hadn't hadn't mentioned is that when you get to the end of a stage, uh, if you don't have full health, you will regenerate up to half a health bar before you move to the next stage. But because I would get so decimated in stage six, I would usually start the final boss battle with maybe a half a health bar or a little more. And I had trouble, particularly on the Saturn version, um, figuring out how not to get hit so much. And so so I I, I did the game, uh, I did that and, and credit fed it through it a few times. And they got to the point where I could do the two two credit clear, one of which was a double KO. That was I was particularly salty about that. Um, but I did manage to one CC the Saturn version, which at the beginning of the month I felt was going to be an uphill climb, and then I was able to get it done within what a week and a half, two weeks. So I felt pretty good about that, and the remake. Um, I actually was able to do a lot quicker in part because of course I had already learned the game and the, the biggest obstacle I think in the remake is stage six. Honestly, the remake is a, a good bit easier than the Saturn original and the really the only big difficulty spike is in stage six that really ramps it up quite a bit. Whereas the Saturn version, the, the difficulty doesn't feel like it spikes so much as it feels more of an like a more of an organic uh, difficulty curve. Um, and then in the remake, I, I, I think stage six feels like a jump compared to everything else. But overall, I had a pretty good time with this and I am definitely happy that we played this and then I went back to it and was able to finally beat this game after all these years. You know, I never really focused on it enough to to truly beat it. It's one of those games that I would I would be in the mood for periodically. I'd pull it out, play a few rounds, mess around with it, and then put it away. And so I'm I'm definitely happy that we that we covered it and I'm finally able to say that I have have beat this game um I guess legit. Very nice. Yeah, I, I'd have to echo the statement. I think that the it was a game that I played through, enjoyed most of the time. We play like the first two stages, and then put away. Especially hearing the the stage ones music and the ambiance there, but never gave it a serious playthrough until recently. I do say that I, I feel like I like the remake a little bit better at least now but th there's nothing wrong with using the original Saturn release or even the PS2 release the world building it does is, is so unique and very hard to do Sega seems to be masters at doing sci-fi mixed with fantasy which is extremely 
hard to do but incredible when you get it right i mean look at uh dune as majors or or i know nausicaa is not as much sci-fi but if you want a more of a pop culture thing to look at i would say the original star wars trilogy and how much it resonates with people the other part that sega is very well known for with their sci-fi fused with santa fantasy is fantasy star I mean, people love those games to this day, and create a resurgence of Fantasy Star Online. Uh, I had a chance to play through Fantasy Star 1 and 2. I haven't done 3 or 4 yet, unfortunately, but really enjoyed the time I spent with those games. It, it shows that when something is crafted with care and attention, it, it can take care of itself. Or, you know, if, if we're going to go back to the Duke Togo example... Dark Souls, right? That never explicitly really tells you much, but allows you to explore on its own and figure out through clues visually with the world how nice it is. If someone were to come into this and try this today, I would probably tell them to try the remake versus the set original. But playing the... Even on the Xbox as the unlockable or... Playing Orto is, is still definitely a good choice. The only downside I found out with the remake is it's very Netflix and chill. I, I think it was like a first time, almost beat it entirely the first time I played it. Where the, oh. the Saturn version definitely has a, a difficulty curve to it. Right. So... Either are good options. The music's fantastic, and it probably is the main character of the game. Uh, I highly recommend people take a look at it, which I, especially since it's what was it like two dollars and twenty cents on GOG, and it goes on sale on the eShop or or even on the PlayStation Store quite frequently. Something uh, like that, yeah. I have spent two dollars and twenty five cents <laughs> on a lot of worse stuff. Tell you that. So right. I, I think that if you're curious, definitely give this game a shot. It, it's a it's a short game, and there are some places where, as you mentioned, it could be frustrating because each level is about five minutes. And if you get to the boss after you find the five minutes and you end up with a double KO or just die, it can be frustrating to <laughs> go back and try again. But it, it's. Uh, something that you don't come across often so i'm still surprised that it's being offered for such a cheap price but very cool yeah. to see that it still resonates with people you know what are what are we at here is it tw how old is it 25 years at least uh at least uh, 25 years later yeah yeah we're, we're we're approaching the 30 year mark yep Hopefully by then right. they do well, Panzer Dragoons. Why? I'm I'm hoping. Or I, one thing I'm glad about is that we didn't we didn't slot this in immediately when the remake came out because I know that there were some issues with it on launch that that had to be fixed. So I'm glad that we waited until some things had been patched and and there were some refinements. All right, let's uh let's take a look at the scores. As we mentioned before, the uh, the game doesn't have a traditional point system. It just sort of rates you on the shot down percentage uh, for each of the episodes. 
And so um, we only had a couple of submissions with that. Um, I I managed to get the to be the only one, I think, actively playing the Saturn version other than Duke Togo. Um, and so I ended up with a 90.2% uh, shot down rating on the Saturn version, which in that one is the Dragoon ranking. And then on the remake, I got a 94.3% rating, which is Sharpshooter. And uh, then Orc Commander submitted uh, a ranking of 87%, which is also Sharpshooter from the remake. All right, so what do we have coming next? Well, coming next, we have September. And boy, am I looking forward <laughs> to it because it's hot around here. Now, uh, coming next, we have... As we're currently in August, we are playing Kaikan, which is definitely surprising, especially for a free STG. It's a heck of a lot of fun. And yeah, this is benedictive. <laughs> oh, using my own words against me. How you dare you play <laughs> that Uno Reversi card? All right. <laughs> and then in September, we have Terraflame, which I'm looking forward to. I think Terraflame is on, on the Switch now and is, of course, is on the PC. Yeah. Steam. And this one, uh, this one will scratch a little bit of that Thunder Force itch. Oh, great. Now I got uh, Thunderstruck by my head. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we also like to shout out a trend for the logo. Uh, everybody who has bought the podcast shirts or buying the Boss Pro Shmups stickers or shirts or hats, even the, you know, they seem to be the envy of cats anywhere. <laughs> so the little picture of the cat just staring, trying to figure out what that shirt is. Uh, <laughs> Kogasu for the intro and outro music. Everyone from the Playcast and Collector Cast. And Meadowfro, who uh, always makes things interesting with his parrot dogs. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm glad that you mentioned that with the Boss Pro Shmups uh, design because that is back. Uh, it was gone for a little bit um, because there was a a, uh, a claim against it. It got taken down, but the design is back. I submitted the counterclaim, and then I reached out to Redbubble, who said they never heard back from Boss Pro Shops LLC. And when they when they when the a claim is filed and then the claimant never actually follows up as to why they filed the claim uh when a counter is uh, is filed then they reinstate the design which they have done so now more people have have gone and bought some stickers hats and shirts so thank you to everyone who has been doing that um hopefully we continue to see that go and uh <clears throat> i can eventually have sold enough stuff to actually pay off the art commission in the first place. <laughs> uh, I'm gl definitely glad it's back and I can foresee it being added to all sorts of things. Oh yeah. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening and uh, we will see you next month. Yeah. Thank you everybody for your good five years. Hopefully many more. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs>